0: I get to introduce to you guys tonight um, someone who is a great friend of Red Rocks Church, someone who uh, runs a young adult program in his hometown in Dallas. Okay, and so this is his kind of people, and this is his kind of ministry. And he is um, an effective communicator. The moment I heard him speak, I was like, "Oh, like the Lord has um, his hand of leadership on Ryan." And so, uh, if you guys could tonight, if you've heard from him before, you know how amazing he is. But if you could tonight, just I mean, get crazy big hands, big applause for Mr. Ryan Leak. What's going on, Red Rocks young adults? Appreciate you, appreciate the water. Um, Hey, just want to take a moment to um, one, just echo what Jesse just said about the conference. Um, I believe uh, in this ministry so much. Um, Jesse Chad, Sean, uh, been dear friends of mine for a very, very long time. Chad Brugman and Sean and Eric Parks were actually my youth pastors, so I've known them for a very, very, very long time. So, here's what I want to do tonight: um, if there are four people uh, that want to go to this thing, you say, "Hey, I can't afford it. I'm going to give 100 bucks towards the conference," and you just find Jesse. The first four that find Jesse, so don't bum rush her during worship, okay? Give her some space. Um, but I, I believe in this stuff because uh, it helps people, it builds the kingdom. And uh, we just had uh, a little deal at, at our church, and there were so many people who said, hey, I wish I could come, and we tried to help out as many people as possible. But this is a church, you know, and we're a place that wants to help people, and I believe in Red Rocks. I believe in this ministry, and so uh, if there's something that I can do to help, um, I I think it would benefit your life a lot. Uh, I know every speaker that's on uh, the docket for you, and they're all incredible, and it will absolutely bless your life. And so what I want you to do right now is I actually want you to put your hands together and honor your leaders, Jesse, Doug, and Chad. I know they're in the room. You've got incredible leaders. And uh, you're lucky lucky to have them. And I know going to a church like this, uh, you you just come. And you may not realize that there are conversations happening about Red Rocks Church all over the country uh, because of what's happening in this room. So you guys are truly uh, a part of something special. Now, how many of you were here the last time me and my wife were here just by a show of hands? Okay, a few hands. Um, I am married. I believe we have a picture of my beautiful wife, and it's coming up in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. There she is. That's Amanda. That's my boo. And... Um, we had, she had this crazy dream of getting engaged and married on the same day. If you go home and type it in on YouTube, the surprise wedding, you can see about a 30-minute documentary of our story. Uh, so I'll give you the gist of it. Basically, I said, will you marry me? She said, yes. I said, will you marry me today? She was like, what? And I was like... <laughs> Yeah, today we opened up this hallway, and there was a 100 of our family and friends standing there with a the sign that said today, blah, 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 blah. Go ahead and watch it on YouTube. It'll be a blessing to your life. Uh, so the story is we got engaged and married on the same day, started having sex right away, and all of a sudden we had a baby. His name is Jackson Carter. Still trying to get him to wear pants. But um, when you're a baby, it doesn't matter. You know, he just got swag, and he can, he can do whatever he wants. Um, God's been so good to our family. Uh, We actually got a book deal with a publisher in Colorado Springs. And uh, some of you, we met with a small group of you to talk about some issues that we would cover in our book. And it's available for pre-order. It's called The One, An Amazing Love Story That Begins With You. And uh, you can pre-order that right now wherever books are sold. And it comes out in May. Uh, I'm running a special tonight. If you buy a 1,000, I'll give you one free. (laughs) So um, whatever you got to do, that will be a blessing to you and your life, and uh, that would be great. Hey, uh, like Jess said, I'm a young adults director at at a church in Dallas, and sort of the thing that steers a lot of our conversations together is what is it that the devil is trying to do with a young adult's destiny? And I believe there are many little things that the devil tries to do to steer you away from what God has for you. And so my prayer for every young adult is that they would have the best relationship, that they would be uh, the best employee their job has to offer that they would be a light in a dark world. And every time we, we put together messages and we put together our content, we're constantly going, hey, how can we help the young adult win? And so tonight, um, I want to look at something that possibly has been holding you back and is hindering you from reaching the destiny that I believe God has for your life. Now, I want to look at a verse uh, or a few verses in first Samuel chapter 18. If you have it on your phones, that's great. If not, uh, we can look at it on the screen together. First Samuel 18, verse six. Bible says this as they were coming home. When David returned from striking down the Philistine, the whole David and Goliath thing, the woman came out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with songs of joy, and with musical instruments. Verse 7. And the women sang to one another as they celebrated. Saul has struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands. Verse 8, and 9. And Saul was very angry, and this saying displeased him. He said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed thousands. And what more can he have but the kingdom? And Saul, uh, David, from that day on. Uh, this evening i like to speak to you from the subject, killing me softly. I want you to look at your neighbor on the right and say, killing me softly. Um, Now I want you to look at the person on your left and say, happy Black History Month. (laughs) It's true. It's February. Don't play with me. Hey, can we pray really fast? Jesus, uh, I pray that in these next few moments, your Holy Spirit would do something special. I pray that you would show us what you have for us. I pray that we wouldn't miss it. I pray that we wouldn't miss out on what you have for us. I pray we wouldn't miss out on the relationships and the community that you may be setting up for us. In the precious name of Jesus, everybody said. Um, I've been like a part of the Christian community since I was a baby. I'm a pastor's kid. I went to a Christian college. I went to a Christian high school. I went to a Christian middle school. Uh, I went to a Christian elementary. Uh, I even went to a Christian daycare. Our uh, graham crackers were in the shapes of crosses, you know, <laughs> so um, I'm as saved as you possibly can get. Um, and my, my whole life, um, I, I've seen people come into the church and, and also leave it. I, I've, I've watched mass exodus of people um, that used to be Christians with me. That now are sort of on the outside looking in and they're not Christians anymore. Something happened, maybe they got mad at the pastor. Maybe you in this room have had an interesting church experience that maybe has kept you away from the church for a long time. And maybe you're just checking this out to say, hey, maybe I'll give this Jesus thing uh, another try. I've I've sort of watched uh, the winds and the waves happen. In people's spiritual life. And when I got to college, it was interesting because Christian college is much different than Christian high school. Christian high school is like, you know, all the parents just really want you to be in a private school. It's really a school for people that don't want their kids in public schools. But Christian college is more like a choice. And so it's like, these are where like all the super Christians come to like have super Christian careers, kind of, you know what I mean? <laughs> and so I get there and people are like, hey, are you are going to be a pastor? I was like, man, I kind of want to be a businessman. Well, at Christian college, if you're a business major, that's kind of like not being a Christian. You know what I'm saying? It's like... You get this weird vibe like, oh, you're not in the pastoral department. And you're like, okay, cool. And so um at our school, we we had sort of these uh sects, you know, like these these different groups of individuals. And it was like if you were going into full-time ministry or if you're part of like the worship department, that's what you were gonna do with your career, you hung out with the same people, and they were Christians above ground. And then you had sort of this underground crew that um really was barely saved. Really their parents were saved, but um they just They would just party and they just love life and they would skip chapel, but they really weren't there for the same reasons as like the pastoral ish type of people. And as a business major, but as a person who was had pastoral tendencies in his blood, I kind of rode the fence a little bit. I was like trying to figure out who I really wanted to be friends with because I felt like the pastoral people, they got on my nerves, but I also didn't want to like, get drunk. So I was like, man, what am I going to do tonight? I was trying to, trying to figure it out. So I ended up going with, with the drunk people right now. I was like, hey, I'll just be the driver. This would be fun. So, <laughs> so people would be like, oh, Ryan's a part of that crew. And I'd be like, kind of, but I'm not doing what they were doing. They're like, well, was you at the club? I was like, well, yeah, I was there. They're like, well, what were you doing there? Having fun? What were you doing tonight? And so I was like trying to figure out, you know, where my place was. And uh, all of a sudden, one night, uh, a girl calls me at 3 a.m. I promise you nothing happened. I'm just, let me just preface that, okay? Because once you hear the story, you're going to be like, whoa, 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 bro. And so she called me at 3 a.m. and she drunk out of her mind, completely intoxicated. And She's driving, and I'm like, what are you doing? She's just like, hey, I just called you. I'm almost, I'm almost back to the dorm, um, and we used to, like, if you were a part of the underground, it was like cold. We're going to sneak each other in if we come in past the curfew because at Christian College, they give you a curfew. They don't let you really be adults quite yet. And um, so she was like, hey, you know, will you stay on the phone with me and sneak me in, you know, when I come in? I was like, yeah, cool, cool, cool. So uh, she comes in. We sneak her in up the stairs with rope and all types of stuff. That's a long story, but... Um, <laughs> She sits down and she says, You know, when a person's intoxicated, their emotions are like times 10. So if they're angry, they're super angry. And if they're sad, oh, shoot. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So she starts bawling. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, what's happening? Like, you know, I was like, it, th- these, these tears aren't real, but they're kind of real. You're trying to figure it out. And uh, she's like, I-, I killed it. I killed it. And I was like, What? What are you talking about? She said, I had an abortion I, I, I had an abortion, and uh, all, all of a sudden i 'm at this institution that is supposed to be building up Christian professionals and, and, and people that are going to go out and change the world. but yet we have a sheep in our midst that has lost their way, and institutionally, we were not organized to handle her pain in our chapel services. And I really didn't know what to do. So as as I would be in the front with my pastoral friends, I would look in the back and in the corner would be a girl who didn't even remember what she told me because she was drunk. And and all of a sudden I realized something that that had happened uh, in, in our, in our Christianity that can happen in our walk. And we can create a list of major sins and minor sins. As long as you don't create or make any of the major sins, we'll let you get away with murder. We'll let you do whatever you want. But if you do any of the big stuff, we will somehow castrate you and create some distance and give you the Heisman out of our Christian community because you create. You, you did. You did the big stuff. You murdered somebody. You, you stole. You got her pregnant. You had an abortion and all of a sudden we create distance to people that have pain. We create distance to people that have a past. And I, as, 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 I, as I'm wrestling with this, because I've got I got friends on both sides and I'm like, well, you want to go be a pastor and change the world. So does she. She, she wants to change the world just in a different way. And she, she wanted to be a writer, but she doesn't feel like because of what we've created, it, it's like she doesn't feel qualified as much as we feel qualified over here. It's like, because of what she's done, she feels disqualified. And because we read our Bibles a lot and go on a mission trip once a year, it's like, well, we now, we feel qualified to be able to do ministry and be a part of this institution. And I was like, this this isn't making sense to me. And so I'm opening up the Bible and I'm looking at it and it's like, some of the things that are major to us that create distance between people, are actually kind of minor to God. It's kind of interesting who God uses in the Bible. Moses, murderer. David, adulterer. Saul was a terrorist before he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. So how big of a deal is it to God? And then I realized this. Some of the things that are minor to us are actually a pretty big deal to God. And, and I started looking at some of, like, the little sins that people can get away with. Like, when was the last time somebody walked up to you and says, yeah, you know what? I really need to talk to you, bro. You got haughty eyes. You know that? You got, you got a haughty eyes in your spirit. I can feel it. Because it's a small sin. Nobody, nobody talks about haughty eyes. Name the last time somebody called you out on debauchery. You don't even know what debauchery is. Like, when was the last time somebody said, like, hey, man, I really need to speak to you. Uh, talk about this sin problem in your life, man. You know, this whole gluttony thing. Every time we go out to eat, you order two sandwiches. It's not a good look for you, bro. We need to talk about it. Because they're small. Like, no, no, nobody cares. And here is and here's, here's the small sin that I want to talk to you about tonight. It's called covetousness. I ain't never heard nobody say this word smooth in their life covetousness it is such a big deal to God that it made top 10 all time like literally Moses is probably the second greatest leader of all time and he's having to manage the moral compass of over 2 million people and he's trying to figure out what to do with them without technology so God says go ahead and come up I'm gonna give you 10 rules to set them straight Moses gets up to the mount, and he's got a tablet and a chisel, and he says, God, go. Okay, number one, uh, no other gods before me. Moses is like, cool. We got that one. What's next? Number two, hey, I don't really want people uh, making images and gold. Like, if you got bling, just wear it. Don't try and make anything out of it, okay? Okay, God, I got you. What's next? Hey, you know what? When people use my name, I don't want them using it in vain. Okay, I'm I'm a great God and and let's save great God. And I want people to reverence my name. God, that's cool. You got a great name. I'm not going to mess with that. (laughs) Number four. Hey, um, keep the Sabbath. Like I need people to take a nap every now and then, Uh, you know, keep that seventh day. Holy. Keep the Sabbath. Moses like, I'm tired from coming up the mountain anyway. So I wish I could take a nap now. We good. (laughs) Then he says, hey, Honor your father and mother. Moses is like, well, my mom put me in a river and sent me down to Pharaoh to pick me up, so I don't really know. You know what? That's fine. Honor my father and mother. No questions asked. Number six, like, hey, I I don't want people to commit adultery. Like, if you marry, I want you to just have sex with your married partner. Nobody else. I don't want want mixing, maxing, and all that stuff. That's crazy. Moses is like, that's cool with me. I love my wife. Don't steal. Moses is like, that makes sense. Don't murder. I did kill a guy once, but that was under extreme circumstances, God, and I'm sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> Number nine. Hey, don't lie on people. Don't bear false witness. That's crazy. Like, Don't be lying on people. Moses is like, I ain't trying to lie on all these people. I got too many people down there trying to deal with them. This is crazy. Moses gets to a place where he's like, okay, I'm getting ready for a 10 point sermon for two million people, and this will guide them for the rest of their lives. And we'll still be talking about it in 2015. So God, number 10 better be awesome. Like number 10. I mean, this is my closing. This is my altar call. Like, bring it home. Like, God, I know you're going to get them this. Oh, number 10. ooh, you gonna get the terrorists. That's what you're going to do. Yeah, number 10, you get the evildoers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The slaughterers. Get them. No. Okay, okay. You're going to get the fornicators. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The ones that's acting a fool. Matter of fact, get the ones that are the homosexuals. Yeah. Write that down. Top ten. Guys, like, nope. God says, hey, number ten, do not covet. And if you're Moses and, and you've been chiseling for three hours, you're like, This is how you want to close it out? Covetousness? (laughs) Are you serious? Like, is it really that big of a deal to simply have our eye on what belongs to somebody else? And the reason why it's number 10 is because it's not going to kill you right away, it'll just kill you softly. One inch at a time, one scroll. On Instagram at a time. It'll make you desire a dream that doesn't belong to you. Comparison will destroy your destiny incredibly slow. You won't even know it's affecting you until your dream has disappeared. Some of you used to have passions and you wonder where it went. You gave it up. Comparing yourself to the person on your left and the person on your right. I, I remember uh, when Instagram first came out, uh, it was around the time me and my wife were getting back together. And uh, you know, like sometimes like when you're dating, the girl wants to talk about her feelings and where things are at in the relationship. And uh, they just want to talk for about two hours and you don't even know what's going on. And I made a deal with my wife. I said, hey, we're going to go to the Lakers game, but we can't talk about us. She said, okay, fine. Then I'm just going to be your really fine friend that you go to the game with. I was like, Jesus is alive. Hello. <laughs> so we go to the game, and uh, we're literally sitting on the back wall. Like, my head is hitting the, hitting the concrete. And I'm like man, we back here, nosebleeds, like I'm squinting, like Kobe killing down there, that's awesome and uh, you start to look down at the lower bowl and you're like, look at all the like real rich people down there one day I might be able to make it down there with those people, right now I'm these people with my nose bleeding and uh, a few months later, uh, God had been doing some things in my life and I was like, hey, you know, me and my friend went to a game where 16 rows up and I'm like, yo and this is the exact words that me and my friends used. We said, these seats are not bad. Those exact words, not bad, not bad. It's pretty good, pretty good. But slowly, I started to look at everybody in front of me and started to, like, in my mind, picture what they do for a living. You know what I'm saying? You'd be, like, telling their story, like, their money story, like, how they got their tickets, you know. All of a sudden, you start asking people next to you what they do. And they're like, I own a construction company. I'm like, great. What do you do? Uh, I talk to people. That's it. So, I mean, you're trying to, like, figure out, like, your place in the stadium because it's like, it's like a status all the way up. So then a couple months later, um, 12th row, and I was like, man, this is a difference. Like, I was like, hey, Dwight! Dwight Howard was playing. I said, Dwight! And he looked at me, and I was like, man, this is crazy, yo. <laughs> Dwight said, what's up? You know, I was like, this is wild. And then another time, I just walked up to the stadium because, you know, if you go to the stadium, like, during the second quarter, all the tickets are cheaper. That was free, okay? Um, But yeah, so if you ever want to go to a game, you could do that. So I went up, and the guy was like, dude, your shirt is awesome. It said, chicks love nerds. He's like, man, that shirt's awesome. I was like, cool. He's like, man, you can have my ticket. I was like, man, look at God. That's awesome. So I took his ticket. Uh, It was behind the Denver Nuggets bench. So I'm sitting behind the bench, and I'm looking at the players like this, and I was like, I didn't even watch the game. I started looking at everybody on courtside, asking myself, what do they do for a living? I'm like, I wonder what he does. I wonder what he does. I wonder what he does. And I was like, man, what could I do for my feet to be touching the court? That's what I really want. I want my feet to touch the court. What, what do I have to do in life to get there? Long story short, um, my wife and I went on the Queen Latifah show, and she surprised me with Kobe Bryant. And we got to go to Staples Center and sit courtside and like go in the locker room and meet Kobe Bryant. And I'm standing there, and I'm like, you think they would let me play, bae? You think they would let me get in the game? <laughs> You think they give me one of Kobe's, some of his shorts? You think we go to half court? No, we can't go to half court. And the reality is, this is what I know about you. This is what I know about me. Is it ever enough? Are our seats ever close enough? Are our clothes ever new enough? Do we have enough likes? Do we have enough friends? Do we have enough followers? It's, it's this constant chase of envy and jealousy and comparison that drives us to spend money on things that we absolutely don't need. And we spend a great deal of energy trying to attain stuff to impress people that we won't be friends with in two years. It's crazy. I I love what what the Bible says about Saul. Uh, It's actually in in 1 Samuel 9. Um, Realize this. The Bible doesn't describe anyone, including Jesus like they describe Saul it says his son, Saul was the most handsome man in Israel, head and shoulders, taller than anyone else in the land. And in first Samuel 18, let's do verse, let's do verse seven. So David kills Goliath, right? They come back. They throw a parade. Ladies going crazy. DJ up. there, like, hey, hey. The women start singing a song, you know what I'm saying? They're like women saying to celebrate. Saul has struck down his thousands and he like grooving like, man, that's right. Have you ever met a murderer? Like you have to understand something. A murderer in our day is bad. But in the Bible, you couldn't be king if you couldn't murder somebody like the most people you could kill. That's how you became king, because then everybody knew you could protect them. I met a murderer one time. He's actually a pastor. And uh, I was doing some consulting for him. Now, a good consultant gives you constructive criticism on what to do better. But if the person you're working for is a murderer, if he says something like, I'll kill you, that's a real threat. (laughs) You've done it before. You know, you're not joking. You know what I mean? So he was like, so, Ryan, tell me what you see. I was like, man, I think you're amazing. Uh, I think this place is the greatest church I've ever been to in my life, and there's nothing you can work on. I'm getting on a plane and I'm going home because you're a murderer, okay? Um, Pull the verse back up. So Saul has struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands. Verse eight and nine. Saul was very angry and this saying displeased him. He said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed thousands and what more can he have but the kingdom? And Saul, I, David, from that day on. If you study 1 Samuel, you must realize that Saul was picked. He was the number one draft pick. He was supposed to be the man. Literally, he he is on Time Magazine as the 100 most influential people in in the world. He is a, quote, unquote, the sexiest man alive, according to the Bible. (laughs) Like, not a blogger's opinion, some author somewhere in New York. The Bible says it. If the Bible says you're the dopest dude ever, you should believe them, Saul. (laughs) So Saul, all of a sudden, simply hears a song about another guy who simply killed 10 times more than him. And all of a sudden, he lost focus of who God called him to be. In fact, he forgot that he was the tallest, head and shoulders above everybody else. He forgot. He was the most handsome man in all of Israel. But he lost sight of who he was looking at somebody else. Have you uh, ever uh, looked at somebody else's victory and it became your defeat? Um, this happens. Um, it, it's, it's my favorite. I love watching um, a single person's friend get engaged because it's the happiest, saddest moment of their entire day. You've ever seen it? It's like, congratulations i call be single the rest of my life. I mean, it's like they're happy, but they're they're sad. It's like it's a spotlight. Like it, it, I'm happy for you, but it's just another moment that reminds me I'm gonna be alone forever with red boxes and Captain Crunch on Friday nights by myself. You're okay. You're okay. And, and, so what do you do? I mean really how do you how do you get your eyes off of what everybody else is doing how, how do you sign into Instagram and be secure? Maybe some of you might have to go home and unfollow certain people, and that might just be a reality for you but how, how where do you where do you get some security and I, I think it's found simply in the word of God and I, I think it's found in, in one word could be summed up contentment contentment i, I mean it, it's this place where you're just like I have enough, I look good enough, I have enough followers, enough people like my photo today, I have enough friends, I have enough. And if I don't have something, maybe God doesn't think I'm ready for it in the first place. So I'm just gonna be a good steward with what I have now and just trust that God gave it to me. Contentment, trust. I love what Jesus had to say um, to some people who were worried and anxious about what their life was going to look like. And it's found in Matthew 6. And it's beautifully said. Jesus said, hey, um, I'm, I'm going to pick something really, really small. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Or, and yet their heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? A person who is full of envy, full of jealousy, full of covetousness is a person that doesn't know how valuable they are to God. Oh, if that could sink in, man, that would save your entire future. If you walked around knowing who you are and knowing how much God values your life. This guy, Saul, that I was talking about earlier, who was a terrorist that wrote two-thirds, of the New Testament, wrote in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. He, he says something that I think is amazing. He said, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned, which means we have to too, in whatever situation, I'm to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Now hold that there and get ready to go to verse 13 because verse 13 is one of the most famous verses ever written. This is, this is on uh, businesses, walls, this is um, screensavers everywhere. Uh, this is an iconic statement that, that Paul makes in, in verse 13 and he, he says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. But let's go back to the verses. Where did the strength come from? Go back to 11 and 12. Contentment. It's like like he was in this place where he was like, you know what? I'm not going to let my circumstances determine my happiness. I'm not going to let my circumstances determine my contentment. I am with a low high, with a lot of money, not a lot of money. Boyfriend, no boyfriend, girlfriend, no girlfriend, ring by spring or not. <laughs> I'm cool. I've learned to be content. I, I, I've learned to be okay. In fact, it, it's starting to become my lingo. When somebody says, man, how you doing? Content. How you doing? Content. It lets people know I'm not in the rat race. When I, when I tell somebody, hey, I'm content, I'm telling the whole world. I'm not trying to impress you. I don't have to. Because I have enough. I have enough. I have a beautiful family. I have enough. And I I just have to trust, like, hey, if, if God can take care of the birds, I'm a little bit more valuable than they are. I wonder what your world would look like if you walked around with contentment, I wonder what all of our worlds collectively would look like if the new one word answer to how you're doing was content. I wonder if it would actually change the atmosphere of every conversation you have. Because you'd be surprised. Some of you have been trying to figure out how to talk about Jesus in your world, in your cul-de-sac, at the gym. Uh, try using the word content, because most people have never heard it. If you start to say, hey man, how you doing? Content. Whoa. You mean you have enough? I do. And here, I'm, I'm steady. I'm okay. I, I have enough. I, I would hate for you to leave a room like this and jealousy and envy and the idea of comparison to rule your life. It will alter your destiny, I promise you. Not in a big way, right away, but in a big way, the long haul. It's just an inch at a time. And I know no one in your life tomorrow is going to say, hey, man, I've really been seeing covetousness in your life. But it could be. And, and, and here, here's what I've learned. No one's going to call you out on little things that matter unless you invite them in to do so. So tonight, um, I uh, just put up a couple of questions that uh, I, I want you to uh, Pick five people that are closest to you in your world. They could live here. They go to school with you. They could work with you. It could be your mom. It could be your brother, whatever. Pick five people and uh, ask them this question. Hey, what are my blind spots? What, what, what can I see? What, 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 am, what am I missing? What, what can I get away with? What, what's something that I do that maybe isn't a big deal, but in all reality has the potential to hinder my destiny? I dare you to text five people that. You'd be surprised what they write back. It's amazing what happens when you send an invitation like that. Uh, I remember the, the first time I did it, I sent it to like 10 friends, and they were all being bashful. They were all like, oh, man, no, dude, you're awesome, man. I think I can't think of anything. Dude, you don't have any blind spots. You just see everything, man. You're like Batman. You see in the dark. It's crazy. <laughs> and, um, and I'm like, no, nah, man, dig deep. He's like, man, I can't think of anything. I'm like, come on, man, like help me out here. And he said, well, if I'm nitpicking, I guess there's a couple things. So I was like, okay, I bet. And he said, man, you know, people know who you are at our church. You're, you're important. People know that. He goes, you might not feel that way or think that way, but it, that's the truth. That's the reality. I said, okay. He said, man, here, here's the thing that, that jacks you up. Here, here's your blind spot. You walk really fast. I was like, "What? He's like, what do you mean I walk really fast?" He's like, "Dude, you the fastest walker I know. You be jet." And I'm like, well, I, "I don't, I don't understand how this is a flaw or a blind spot." And he says, "Man, hey, Ron, I know you, man. Your, your goal is to reach people and let people know about the love of Jesus, whether they've been to church a thousand times or the first time." And uh, Man, there's times where you're just busy at church. You're just busy. And you just walk really fast. And here's the deal, Ryan. When you stop and talk to people, you have the potential to make their entire day because you're important to them. You might not feel the way, but trust me, there are people that come back to our dorm and they talk about, Ryan Leek said to me today, and it's a big deal to them. They notice when you stop, notice when you don't. He said there are moments at church where you simply just walk past people and you ignore them and you didn't even see them. Is uh, is walking fast a sin? I certainly don't think so. But man, considering my goals in life, it certainly was very helpful. And I, I... I just don't want to alter my destiny one inch at a time over something silly. So now I walk into church like a turtle. I'm... What's going on? Y'all good? Good to see you. Great. Good, good, good. We're going to get to the sanctuary soon, but don't worry. We just got to take our time. What's your thing going to be? Like, what's the thing? that Everybody knows, like, oh, Sarah always does this, but that's just Sarah. That's just who she is. That's just how she grew up. The question for you is: How important is your destiny? How bad do you want what God has for you? Covetousness isn't the only little thing that will kill you softly. There's many things. I just picked one tonight, just to stir a conversation that you can take back and ask your friends: "Hey, man, what am I not seeing? What's something that's eating me alive and I don't even know it? Can you imagine?" Or what happened in our world if we walked around with a new one-word answer i'm content i have enough i don't need anything more i don't need anything less jesus i thank you so much for uh, red rocks young adults and uh god i pray that your word would steer their future and i uh pray that tonight as, as people send out some text messages if they do it uh Holy Spirit, just use that. Use the technology you've given us in 2015 to potentially alter a person's future, a person's career. Who knows, God, maybe what is texted back to them could save their marriage in the future. Um, I, I pray that you would use it. I pray that your Holy Spirit would, would speak to people in a mighty way. And, and if, if there's somebody here wants to get back on track, Lord, I, I pray that you would tug on their heart in this moment and let them know that uh, you want the absolute best for them, and uh, there's nothing that's going to get away, get in the way of your love, in Jesus' name I pray, amen.